Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hey, New City. It's John Carlos here. So excited to be with you today, all the way from San Juan, Puerto Rico. I use he, him pronouns, and today we are continuing a series called Aftermath, Rebuilding Our Lives and Our City Together. I'm here uh, in this place because of Aftermath. My beloved Abuela Ana has passed. Um, A couple weeks ago, we received a call that she was not well. Um, This is the grandma who lived with us for the last four years, who came every summer for the last uh, 20 years to take care of me, to love me, to provide for me. Um, this is a grandma that many of you met. She, she came to New City. She, uh, she even uh, attended my messages, even though she, she didn't speak English. She just was uh, that supportive. She was a woman of faith, a woman characterized by grace and kindness. And, uh, and our family is mourning uh, her, uh, our loss, our, 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 our family is mourning her death. Um, and and I, I tell you that story because these stories are moments of aftermath. There are moments that are so significant, at times so traumatic, at times so disruptive, that the timeline after that has to be different. The timeline after that has been altered. The timeline after that has been fully disrupted, right? our future is no longer the same, right? There are these moments of aftermath, right? These moments so significant, so traumatic, so disruptive that sometimes we have to think of our lives as before this moment and after this moment. Sometimes you and I, we have to live in the aftermath. And I remember that week when my grandmother passed. I remember getting a call on Tuesday night that she was not well, right? She had just gone to Puerto Rico a week ago with my parents. She had been fully vaccinated, um, and, and the illness wasn't even COVID related. Uh, it was, she had an issue of her pancreas. Um, it wasn't even something on our radar. It wasn't even something we, we, we were, were thinking was coming. Um, and on Wednesday night, as things got worse, my mom and I, we decided we needed to go. We needed to be with her. We needed to see her. We needed to, 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 to either bring her back or, or have these final precious sacred moments with her. And so we get, we wake up early the next morning, we get on a pl- the next plane, we fly five hours to Puerto Rico, we get to San Juan, we drive um, probably like four or five hours all the way to Mayaguez on the other side of the island um, to see her, to be with her. And we get to the hospital and we're there for 10 minutes. Uh, the doctor explains to us that she had already passed. She'd actually passed before we had gotten on the plane. Um, uh, certain information, unfortunately, um, was not given to us by family members. And, and that was also another thing we had to grieve and, 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 and process and, and mourn. But here we are, my mom and I, at a hospital in Puerto Rico, and our abuela Ana is gone. And we get in the car, and we kind of have to ask ourselves, uh, what now? We have to ask ourselves, where do we go from here? What is this trip about? How do we go on? 
without my grandmother? How, do, how does my mom go on without her mother, right? I've lived, I had an app tell me I lived 10,000 days recently, and I only had to live like 10 of those days without my grandmother. There are these moments of aftermath, right? And I'm so, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm grateful that we got to celebrate her and mourn her here, but even the church that we once, and we had our celebration of life, that was the exact same place we buried my 10-year-old brother when I was nine, right? There are these moments of aftermath. There are these moments of loss, of pain, of failure, of oppression, um, of injustice, whatever they may be that are so significant, that are so traumatic, that are so disruptive, that everything else in the future lives in it's aftermath. Yeah. But the thing about aftermath, it doesn't just affect the things after. You see, trauma has this way of affecting things before. We go through these moments, we go through these experiences. And, and now we, we don't see our memories the same way, do we? We don't see our past the same way. We don't see, right? You go through a divorce and you don't see those, those dates the same way. You don't see those years of love together the same way. It's as if they're stained in a new way, right? There are these moments of trauma that do not simply shape the future, they shape everything that came before it, right? And, and we have to ask ourselves, what does God have to say to us in these moments of aftermath? What does God have to say in these moments of unbearable pain, of, of uh, uh, unending loss, right? Where things will never, ever, ever be the same. Yeah. I've had to live moments of aftermath. I've had to ask myself, what now? I've had to wonder, where do I go from here? But it's not just me, is it? We as a community, we know something about aftermath, right? We know something about trauma. We know something about uh, not only uh, lifetimes of systematic oppression, but these acute moments of pain. These acute moments of pain caused by empire, caused by sin caused by people, caused by being on this planet that leave us asking, where do we go from here? What do we do now? This, this island, this city knows something about aftermath. And I, uh, as, I, as, I, as I traveled through Puerto Rico, as I saw my friends and my family, I got to hear some of that oral history of Hurricane Maria three years ago. And I got to, I got to feel um, and hear and, uh, and, 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 and see through their eyes the experiences that their, their story in some ways were before Maria and after Maria, right? I, I got to hear stories of um, people who prepared everything that they could prepare for, and yet it was still not enough um, for the magnitude of this hurricane. I, I got to uh, see people I love who had to wait three, four hours um, to get gasoline, three, four hours to go to the bank, and the bank could only give them $100. Imagine not being able to access your money for two, three months. They didn't have electricity for two, three months. And 
and and I got to see stories of real pain. I got to see um, my my aunt is a teacher. She teaches first and second grade. I got to hear stories of um, students, her students, that couldn't go to school because they didn't have homes anymore. Their homes were completely uh, destroyed in the hurricane. Um, what does God have to say in moments of aftermath? What does God have to say in moments when we look at our lives and we don't know how to keep going? What do we do in the aftermath? And that's the thing I want to look at today. I want to look at today. Um, and we're going to be looking at a passage um, from, from Paul, someone who uh, lived his life um, in the beginning, as an oppressor, as someone who was persecuting and hurting and attacking and destroying the lives of other people in the cause of a good God, um, <laughs> in the cause of religion, in the cause of uh, something he thought was true and good, but was actually not. Um, and then he has this experience uh, where God just like, 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 like grabs him. Like God just like shows up in his life and says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting me? Why are you attacking me? Why are you insulting me? Why are you hating me? So interesting that when we attack, persecute, mistreat, abuse, oppress people, Jesus has to show up and say, actually all along you've been oppressing, abusing me. And so he goes through all this stuff and now he becomes a follower of Jesus and he, he starts doing ministry and he starts planting churches and um, he, he, he starts doing the work of God. But the work of God uh, is difficult and he starts experiencing the same things that he was doing to others. He starts experiencing hardships and persecutions and difficulties and he has to learn what to do in moments of aftermath. He has to learn what to do in light of these sufferings, right? We have this, this beautiful, beautiful decoration, right? From him that we'll get to in just a moment. I go down the slide, right? And, you know, I, I hit the water. And I can't get out of the water. I'm like beginning to drown. Um, I like can't get out of the water. I'm doing this motion over and over again. And let me just tell you, it wasn't deep. I'll tell you how deep the water was in a moment, but it wasn't deep. It wasn't deep water, right? It was like three feet and, and six inches. It was like waist level deep. And yet somehow I got in the water and I couldn't get out. Um, and I'm doing everything I can to get out, all the effort that I can to get out, but I can't get out. And I'm also worried um, because no one has saved me yet. Um, and, and along behold, you know, um, Fabo thought I was kidding. Fabo thought I was playing around in the water, but Fabo then realized it wasn't, it was serious. And he grabs me by the waist and I just like, <gasps> gasp for air. Um, I almost drowned. And, and I, and I, I tell you the story because it's interesting why I was drowning in like three feet of water. Um, I thought I was doing this. But I was actually doing somersaults in the water. I was actually spinning. I was actually going in a loop. I was actually just in the same thing over and over again. 
and and I was doing uh, my intentions were good my 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 efforts were good but, but but my direction and my vision were not if only I had just like stood up <laughs> um but it's interesting because and I it's interesting because there are these moments where we go through trauma and we get stuck don't we we get so stuck. We, we, we don't mean to get stuck. No one plans on getting stuck. We put all the effort we can to get out. We put all the effort we can to, 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 to move on. And yet this trauma in our body doesn't heal. Um, this trauma in our body doesn't, doesn't, doesn't move, right? Sometimes we get stuck. And, and my one point for, for you and I in this time is, when we get stuck, it's grace that sets us free. When we get stuck, it's grace that sets us free. And so now as we look at, as we look at the story of Paul, um, we, we see what's really, really interesting is that Paul asks God in this story to remove this pain, to remove this, 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 this disturbance, this thing, that, that is causing him issues three times, right? And God says no, right? God says no. Have you ever experienced something like that? I remember when I, my life fell apart, like in 2015, I, like, I had a job out of school, I lost my job, I, I, I wasn't gonna go back to that university, the scholarships, issues, I, 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 like, I didn't know where I was gonna go from there. I had mental health issues that I needed to deal with. I had to live with my parents and my life just kind of like blew up, right? And I remember just asking God, like, I just don't want to work at Comcast anymore. And I remember just like hearing God just say, no, you, like, I, I, like you're, I, you're here. What if there's enough grace for you here, Sean, right? Um, and and I, I remember having seasons where all I, you know, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really want grace. What I wanted was glory, right? Like the thing our stories need first is actually not glory, it's grace because, but the thing that our hearts sometimes want is like, God, get me that job, get me this the position, get me out of this like place. And, and, and it's like God is whispering, there's enough grace right here. There's enough grace right now. There's enough grace, if you would, if you would just become aware of it, there's enough grace to apply here. And so we see in this story, Paul go through some hardship, some difficulty, and God doesn't change that difficulty for him, right? There are times in the scripture where God does that. God like changes the difficulty. God heals the person. God resolves the problem. God like prevents the thing from even being a problem in the first place. And then there are moments, there are moments of aftermath when God doesn't. So what's the, what's, what's the message then? What's, what's the hope then? What's, how do we survive then? Because see, what I found in Puerto Rico is people who didn't see grace as an accessory, they saw grace as a necessity, right? There are people who, who didn't see grace as like a theological construct to think about and to debate. They saw grace as the thing that would sustain them before, during, and after the worst hurricane, before, during, and after the worst economic crisis, before, during, and after any trauma that they might experience.
Yeah. And so what, what, is, what does God tell Paul? He says, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. What if there's enough grace? Not, not simply like grace to like succeed and be awesome and be cute and be beautiful and be, have status and position. What if there's grace to cry? What if the love of God and the universe is big enough for you to mourn and weep and grieve? What if, what if there's grace to not produce? Some of you are artists. Some of you are creators. Some of you bring so much stuff into the world. What if there's grace to not do any of that? Grace to just be still, grace to rest, grace to not produce, grace to not achieve, grace to, grace to exist in the kindness and the love of God. And I've been thinking a lot about grace being enough because my grandma lived this life where she could love people and she could be kind to people and she could offer people grace as if that love and as if that kindness and if it's that grace was not in danger of running out. As if that grace was not in danger of, of disappearing. Like so many people live a life of scarcity, like, 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 like there, there isn't enough. And, and my grandma just lived this life of grace. There are people that I would not love. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, people that, are, that hurt me, that hurt my grandma, that hurt my mother, that hurt my family, that were just bad people in my head, in my heart. That's how it feels like, right? And my grandma just had this ability to give them grace and kindness and love too, as if it wasn't going to run out, right? I, I'm, staying, I'm staying at an, uh, at an Airbnb right now. And, um, you know, you kind of learn where everything's at. And sometimes you have to like message those and be like, hey, I need more towels. And, and he's like, oh, if you go outside behind the bench, there's a bag and has more towels in it. There's enough, right? And sometimes I feel God is like whispering, like in these moments of aftermath, in these moments of difficulty, I feel like sometimes God is whispering, hey, if you would just, if you just go, go down under the sink, open that below this box, yeah, there's the grace that you need. I already put it there. Everything that you need is here. Everything that you need to mourn this loss is here. Everything that you need to heal in your body is here. Everything you need to cry and mourn is here. Everything you need in your divorce, in your unemployment, in your loss, it's here. I'm here. There's enough grace here. And I'm in this island that like three years ago was just like, like, like uh, in Spanish, the word is raspada. Like, it, like it just like, it means like, if you had a mountain that was green, like the entire mountain was just like, like, like cut off, right? It was just like, like it, everything was just scraped off. Raspada means scraped. It's like this island was scraped, right? Just immense trauma, immense pain, immense loss. And yet I'm here and there's just so much grace. And it's so interesting that the people who suffer the most are the people who are most deeply in connection to grace because grace to them is not an accessory, it's a necessity. Grace to them is a survival strategy. Grace to them is the air they breathe and the, and the, the water they drink. Sometimes we go through deconstruction 
and we're educated and we're privileged and we have opportunity and we have economic means and and we get to look at grace like this intellectual idea and we get to get to wonder and we get to ask questions and we get to prod and poke but grace here is like embodied you can you can see it in the trees you can see it in the people right this will to keep going because what is here is good and what is here is worth continuing. And so I've just, I, I've, I've, I've been thinking about what it looks like in the moments of aftermath to wonder, what if there's enough grace here? What if there's enough grace here? What if, what if, I, I remember when, when I was going through a lot of trauma five years ago, I remember feeling like I was behind feeling like everyone else was moving forward in their life and I was stuck and I was behind. What if there's grace to be stuck? What if, what if God can accomplish at the right time for you in a month what it takes other people to do in like 10 years? What if, what if you're not late? What if there's enough time? for you to live the life you want to live, for you to live the life God's called you to live. What if you, that, that, that feeling that there's not going to be enough time, that you're behind, that you're stuck, what if, what if that's not the case? What if there's enough love and enough support, enough community for every situation and every crisis? What if there's enough? When I look at, I look at the trees and the birds here and I wonder, how do trees and birds and flowers survive hurricanes, and yet they do. Did you know birds have like, they know barometric pressure, they know when stuff is coming. Like God take care, takes care of the birds and he takes care of the flowers and he takes care of it all. Won't he take care of you? Won't his grace, won't the grace of God be sufficient for you? Won't his power be made perfect in weakness? And so ultimately the application of this is simple that you would take the kindness of God and that you would apply it to yourself, right? Grace, grace is a complicated word sometimes, but really grace is just the kindness of a king. Kindness, right? God is kind, that God cares about you, that God loves you, that God will provide for you. But also not just that God is kind, that God is king, that he has the resources, the power, the ability to provide for your every need. And so we take, we need to become experts at applying grace, friends. We need to become experts, not novices, not average. We at New City have to be so good at applying grace. Like we have this here thing called um, VIX. Uh, I think in, in, in the States we call it like VIX Vapor Rub. But we have this thing called VIX here that we apply on everything. If you're a grandma, if you're a mom, you take this, you're sick, you have a sore, you fell down, you have a cut, VIX, right? Like you have a runny nose, VIX. You, you have something in your arm, VIX. You, you, you feel back pain, VIX. Everything, <laughs> everything here is VIX, right? We apply it on everything and we apply it generously. Friends, you and I need to become experts at applying grace first to our lives, right? There's grace that we give other people that we don't give ourselves. If your friend was unemployed, you would never treat them that way, but you treat yourself that way. If your friend was divorced, you would never say that to them, but you say that to yourself all the time. If your friend lost someone, you would never think that way about them. And yet you think about that way about yourself, right? And so there, there's this opportunity that if we become experts at taking the kindness of God and like just applying it generously in our bodies, because you understand is that the trauma is in our body. So the grace must also be in our body. Amen.
there is enough grace. And if you and I become experts at applying grace to ourselves and to the lives of others, then we get to continue the kind of life my abuela Anna had, the kind of life that gave grace to everyone, even the ones that it was hardest to. I learned this story and I just love this story so much and I want to invite you into this. Like, let's not metaphor this story. Let's not transform the story into something else. Let's like, just practice with me believing that God is up to cool things even now. But I heard this story that um, they had to feed like eight, nine, ten people in, 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 their, in their family every single day. And so when they didn't have a lot of money, sometimes they didn't have jobs, sometimes like like they just didn't have any money, right? And so they didn't have enough food for everyone. They had like enough rice for like two people. And there was this pot, there was this pot that my great grandmother would say, never ran out of food, right? There was this pot that she would cook for two people, right? But she needed to cook for 10. And somehow there would be enough rice for every single person. And there would still be more rice, right? There'd still be a lot more rice, right? Like there'd be only enough uh, chicken or meat for like three people and yet they would feed 15 somehow. And, and so our, our great grandmother, my grandma's mom would say that she had this pot that always had enough, that always had leftover, that God replenished over and over and over again, even when there literally wasn't, even when systems of oppression and scarcity and, and, and the economic dominion like prevented this family, my family from, from having food. Well, even then there was enough. And so would you and I believe that there is a grace that is enough? Would you and I believe there's a grace for us to cry and weep and mourn and to wrestle with the aftermath of the injustices that happen? And would we believe that even now there's a pot that never runs out, that isn't afraid of, of, of not having enough? There's a grace that will sustain us in divorces and hurricanes and unemployment and injustice and police brutality and white supremacy. Because guess what? I found out that I'm here today because my ancestors tapped into grace. My ancestors lived and were sustained by grace. And you, my friend, are here today because your ancestors did the same. Grace was not an accessory, it was a necessity. May you and I be spiritual ancestors uh, to generations of more people by grace. May we understand that when we get stuck, it's grace that sets us free. Amen.